Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast starring Matt Levy and Mike Staub. We love video games and have embarked on a journey to index the greatest video games of all time into our very own Hall of Fame. Here's the show. Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast. I am your host, Matt Levy. And I am joined up. Oh, he's in 80s retro. He's in his dress up today with the Miami look fresh off the plane. It looks like with a cigar in one hand, we have Mike Stab. How are you, Mike? I'm good. Yeah, I'm wearing the white blazer with the sleeves rolled up like Don Johnson in Miami Vice. It, it ends and Peter Parker on the uh, Spider-Man cartoon who world wore a blazer rolled up sleeves, uh, really copying that Miami Vice vibe far too late. But I am here. I'm ready to talk about this. I just I'm just ready to talk about living that Southern Florida life when it's like 20 degrees outside in New York, 20 Fahrenheit. For those of you who follow Celsius, not a lot, little, very and, cold. And Mike, we had a taste of spring this last week in New York. It hit like mid 50s for several days and then boom, we got hit with the cold. So this this episode, this game feels rightly timed to wish we were in Miami Soaking I know. up the sun, maybe getting into some trouble. Yeah, getting into trouble is what I would, what I really want to do. I was this close, and by this close, for those of you in this audio medium, I was within an inch of starting Super Mario Sunshine because usually when the weather starts to pick up and it starts to get nice out, I want to play a little Sunshine. I know half you guys hate that game. I love it, so get out of here. But instead, I, I, I turned around. It was Sunday, and I woke up after a 60-degree day, once again, Fahrenheit, a 60-degree day, in February, it was beautiful out. I was outside with no jacket on. I wake up the next morning, I have to scrape snow off my car. That is the beauty of living in New York, folks, because it'll be 60 one day and 30 the next. So I just started playing Skyrim. And not really. That's, we'll talk about what I'm playing later. But let's talk about a game that celebrates crime and Florida and Goodfellas. And yeah, there's definitely some Scarface, some Miami yeah, Vice, Scarface. some Goodfellas. There's a bunch of that Miami mob feel and Mike before we get to the game itself which people here are looking at the game they see what it is I want to know about your prior history with the series because we talked about Grand Theft Auto 3 on this pod it was already enshrined do you have any history with any of the prior four because this is the sixth installment in the series no I did not play Grand Theft Auto I did not play Grand Theft Auto 2 I did not play Grand Theft Auto London 69 even though I think that's a great setting and a 60s Grand Theft Auto could be really cool at some point if they ever want to go back, back, further back in time, even though now the 90s are 30 years ago. So they'll probably just go back to the 90s. And I didn't play those really. Like I might have like sat down and played a little bit, but I really didn't play those. And Grand Theft Auto 3 was really the, the, the game that kind of kicked the door open. And it was the game that kind of solidified Grand Theft Auto as like a major series. I don't think Vice City would have been nearly as successful nor I don't nor do I think it would have gotten the the licensing the songs the voice acting the the overall production value I don't think Vice City would have would have gotten anywhere near close to that if Grand Theft Auto 3 wasn't a massive success both creatively critically and financially it's a gigantic success which kind of allowed Rockstar to say, okay, so now we can we can get some real people in here. We can get not saying that 
the voice cast on Grand Theft Auto 3 isn't great. It is. There are some really good actors, really good uh, film actors and, and TV actors and stuff that are in that game. But when you when you go from having a lead character in Grand Theft Auto 3 who's silent to Vice City and you get Ray Liotta, who is at this point, he's synonymous not, with the genre, though. He is synonymous with the genre at this point in his career. He's not he's not top of the list. He's not it's not Goodfellas anymore. Right. Goodfellas had come out probably close to 10 years before this game comes out. But the vibe is there. The right vibe is there. The internal monologue, the way in which Ray Liotta tells you the story in Goodfellas, there's, there's a, that's exactly why they got him to do it. And that was a big deal when this game was first coming out. Now, a lot of people probably didn't even know who he was because we were a bunch of kids playing video games. But for those of us who grew up, to some degree, watching Mafia movies, Goodfellas is a classic, right? It's a classic movie, and Ray Liotta is terrific in that. I mean, I know my first experience with that style of, of, of storytelling and kind of like the spoof on that is Good Feathers from Animaniacs, which starred three pigeons who pretty much told their story exactly like Goodfellas did, where there was like a Ray Liotta pe- pigeon and there was a Joe Pesci pigeon and there was a Robert De Niro pigeon. And um, when you go and back and watch it, you're like, this is this is hilarious, especially after seeing Goodfellas. But when you go and play a Vice City, I think that's a really important part to have. It's a really important cast member getting Tommy Versetti correct, even though it probably see, probably should be Tommy Vercetti. But we won't go into that. <laughs> um, getting Tommy Versetti correct and getting that character as a driving force behind the game, having a lead character that talks. That's a big deal. It's a big jump from what Grand Theft Auto 3 did. And the success of GTA 3 only catapulted Vice City, which is probably on the whole a better game. I am I have a soft spot for Grand Theft Auto 3 because it was my first. It's New York. It's something I know. It's a nasty, cold, nasty game. Grand Theft Auto Vice City, however, is a brighter game. It's Miami. It's the 1980s. So you're getting like that whole 80s vibe. I mean, the music is much better in this game. The voice acting is amazing in this game. The visuals are better. The weaponry is better. What you can do is but it's like they really it's, it helps when you have a structure to build on and they built a much more accomplished game from a technical standpoint based on the foundation of Grand Theft Auto 3. Yeah. Mike, so much great stuff there to unravel. And you're right. None of this happens without Grand Theft Auto 3. And that's why. It's important that you and me talked about that game first. But since we got that out of the way, yeah, you're right. Vice City is a themed game. It's 1986. Yeah. It's got that 80s feel. GTA 3 kind of has a generic time setting place. It kind of took place when the game came out. It didn't have a specific feel to it. This game no. has this overall 80s feel. The, like you said, the music, the, the radio and the talk shows that they have on the radio and the whole game, the ambiance, was built up so much more. I mean, we complimented GTA 3 for its voice acting and storytelling back in 2001. In 2002, how much they did in such a short time, upping everything from storytelling to this, this whole world of, like you said, Tommy Versetti and his whole getting out of prison and kind of building back up his, his empire in Miami was a really cool mixture of, and I think we said it last time, it's this realistic mafia with a mix of this like large and life cartoonistic characters. But back then this was going for realism as far as the look and the graphics, what it could do at that time. 
it was this living, breathing world that was more so than GTA three could with the technology and that, that they really expanded. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it is the cartoon version of, of what a mafia movie would be of what a gangster film is. It is the cartoon video game version where it's like a little bit more serious than like your basic video games, but it's also really campy and really stupid. Like there's a lot of stuff in Grand Theft Auto that's super dumb in a good way, right? Because I like stuff that's dumb. I think a lot of us do. And I think that's why Jackass does so well. It's one of those things where it's like, we want to tell this kind of this crime story. We want to tell a story that follows after Miami Vice. It follows after Scarface, but we want to do it in our style. And that's really, really amazing what they were able to do there. And yeah, I mean... It's just the production value is so good. This like the, the radio stations in Grand Theft Auto 3 have some good songs, but I think most of the songs are from Scarface, some of the songs, some of the stations. But like when you look at the Grand Theft Auto Vice City soundtrack, it's like, oh my gosh, like they got a lot of good stuff. And a lot of people probably introduced, like like with Guitar Hero and Tony Hawk, a lot of people are probably introduced to this really good 80s music, whether it be rock music like Judas Priest and Ozzy Osbourne and Twisted Sister, Sl- Slayer. And then you have New Wave with you got Blondie in there, Flock of Seagulls. I, to this day, remember the commercial for this game. And it really showed you how much production they upped in this game. And I remember the, the commercial playing out and you would see the trails at the end of these headlights in this like dark tropical Miami city, right? This fake Miami. And you heard... Flock of Seagulls, I ran, right? And am I a Flock of Seagulls fan? No, but I do like New Wave to a degree. But it's something about that degree of production value that pulls people in. They're like, what what is this? And forever, that song will be associated with, for me, that song will be associated with Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Yeah, Mike, you are so, 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 so right that... None of this happens without GTA 3 because that game's being a success. Let them do so much more with this game. And you're right. Yes, the engine was better, but they were able to spend more money. And you can tell because there's so many more yeah. civilians on the street, different models. There's so many yeah. more cars and different types of cars. GTA 3, I think, I don't know how many. There's eight to 10 to 12 different like generic types. Yeah, there's not too many, but Vice City. Oh, it, it's there's there's tons. And it they built this world that, it's enormous. These islands, you have Miami malls, you have mansions that look like you're walking through Scarface. It literally yeah. looks like you're in Scarface. Yeah. And these big apartment buildings and everything just feels very Miami, very Southern Florida. And it's really cool. And that's because of GTA 3's success. And they were able to build a much bigger, I think, production. Rockstar North, who developed it and Rockstar Games that published it, they couldn't have done this off the heels of GTA 2. No way. A game like Vice City, getting Ray Liotta, like you said, he might not have been the peak of his powers, but it's still it's still a big power move. It's a big get. I don't know how interested in video games Ray Liotta was in 2001 or 2002, but it's a big get. It's a big get. And it's, what's crazy is this comes out like on the heels of Grand Theft Auto 3. This comes later. out a year later. It's insane. I, I mean, Mike, the scope of GTA 3 in 2001, you're getting Vice City a year later. A year later. And what's, what's crazy about that is that we, Grand Theft Auto 6 at this point. So Grand Theft Auto 5 has been out for what? Uh, a decade? <laughs> you know? I, think it's, I think it's like seven or eight years. If not yeah, it's more. like seven or eight years. 
we're not even like Grand Theft Auto. Now I understand the online thing, the service gaming thing. It's a whole different animal. We're talking about seven, eight years, and Grand Theft Auto Six is like, yeah, we know it's going to happen, but like we don't know when it's going to happen. And this came out a year later, a year after that. And I want to say that Grand Theft Auto San Andreas came out two years after Vice City, and that game like tripled the size of everything. So the amount of work that Rockstar was able to get done. Now, obviously, we've kind of over the last few years, we've kind of seen a little bit into how some of these companies operate and crunches brutal to people and people don't see their families or leave the office. And so while we're patting them on the back for getting a game this good so quickly after another monumental game like Grand Theft Auto 3, we also do have to realize that in this day and age, in that time period, there probably was a lot of crunch. There probably was a lot of that type of negative element there. So I don't want to like, I don't want to like, I don't know. I don't want to like not bring that up, but award them. But also like, did you do this under normal hours? Yeah. 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 Like I I don't want to, you don't want to reward them for making people's lives living hell. That being said, it is remarkable that they were able to get this game out in a year as good as it is. Yeah. This is not, I mean, it's not the smoothest, most polished game in the world, but we're not, there's not a buggy game like Skyrim. It's not a buggy game. I mean, they're, they're well-made games. I mean, this has shooting, driving, all sorts of different types of missions in it. The scope of the scheme is enormous, Mike. And it just makes you think. Grand Theft Auto, I feel like, changed the way people look at video games because of its success, Mike. We talk about franchises like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, these big movie franchises that have made billions of dollars. And Grand Theft Auto is the first, I think, real video game series to compete with some of those where people started looking at production and spending versus revenue. I mean, these series have sold hundreds of millions of copies when you add up all the different games in this franchise. And I think Vice City really set the tone for what they could do going forward. GTA 3, I think, I see it still as a proof of concept, Grand Theft Auto 3. Wow, we actually got that to work. The world is living, breathing in quotes. And everything kind of works. You can pull people out of cars. You could drive around. You could do some shooting. I think Vice City proved that this genre has so much more to give. No, you're right. You're totally right. And I I do agree that Grand Theft Auto 3 was kind of like a proof of concept. And Grand Theft Auto Vice City is like, I don't want to say it's the full, that concept coming fully to fruition. I think it's getting there. I think San Andreas really is what they wanted to do. Ultimately, I think that's where they're getting towards. That's why Grand Theft Auto 4 is kind of like a step back. And that's why Grand Theft Auto 5 is like a giant leap forward, right? Because it's like, okay, we know what works in the HD era. Grand Theft Auto Vice City comes out 2002. The PlayStation's been out, PlayStation 2 rather, has been out for two years. You're starting to get really great PlayStation 2 experiences that are unique to the PlayStation 2. Grand Theft Auto Vice City hits hard. People had been hearing about Grand Theft Auto 3 for a year. Some people owned it. Some people would rent it, whatever. Vice City comes around. Everyone's buying it. Everyone's buying this game. The weekend it comes out, everyone's going to try to rent it at Blockbuster. People want to be playing Vice City when it comes out. And this brings Grand Theft Auto to the status of what Grand Theft Auto is now. It, in 2002, I mean, Grand Theft Auto ruled the 2000s, the, the aughts, as I typically like to say. It ruled them. This was the biggest franchise because everyone played it. Everyone played Grand Theft Auto, whether you were a psychopath and just walked around murdering people, 
or you were someone who wanted to play the stories and the missions, or you someone who just liked to drive cars around. Grand Theft Auto Vice City, especially, had something that really stuck out to people, especially people that like like the '80s and or were interested in the '80s motif, like those gangster movies that it's based on. You know, Grand Theft Auto Three, you know, it pulls from The Godfather, but like you don't spend a lot of time with the family, like you would in the Godfather films. You're spending time as a hired gun mercenary who's kind of doing their dirty work, but. And then eventually, obviously, the mafia turns on you in Grand Theft Auto 3. Spoilers, sorry, the game's 20 years old. The mafia ends up turning on you and you're working with the Yakuza. So it's kind of weird. You're, you're never like in the group. You're never, you're always kind of this dude who just gets called to do a job. Time for Seti's a little different because it's his story, right? It's, it, you're not, you're, you know, Claude, as he would later be known as, kind of like hovers through the Grand Theft Auto 3 story as kind of this nameless, voiceless goon. Tari Versetti has some of those, <laughs> some of those, some of those qualities too, because he's also doing jobs and stuff for people. But he's also kind of like one of those nameless goons that's kind of doing things for other people and doing jobs. But it's his story, right? He's trying to, I, I gather, he's trying to just like get back. He's trying to build himself up as this kind of force to be reckoned with. And Miami's a great place for that. Who doesn't want to hang out in Miami in the 80s? I think literally everyone ever wanted to go to Miami in the 80s. And I think that's why these games, they're not just about playing games, reading the story, getting through the story, listening to the music. It's, it's a form of virtual tourism. It's a, you can play Grand Theft Auto Vice City as the hero. You can play Grand Theft Auto Vice City as a maniac. You can play Grand Theft Auto Vice City as a virtual tourist where it's like instead of going to Miami, you can drive around Vice City and you won't get the same same experience, but it's something that you can soak in. It's the art, the music, the vibe that you could soak in. And as we gamers out there who were born in 86, I was born in 86, we never got to go to Miami in 1986. So not only is this kind of like a virtual tourism, it's like time travel tourism that allows us to live in these worlds. Well, I think that's great, Mike. It, it let people live in this crime lord murdering drug drug dealing world where scarface and goodfellas and relive some of these stories and yes the morality stuff is big i mean when you see tv shows and movies and different things saying video games are bad and the effects it can have on people this game is at the forefront i mean doom of course a game like doom you're just seeing fiery demons and you're shooting them but this game because it takes quote-unquote real-life situations, yes, it's cartoony, yes, it's over the top, but you're seeing people be run over by cars, viciously murdered. There's a lot of violence here, but there is a an escapism of that that people are allowed to do in this game that people just gravitated to. The Grand Theft Auto lets you do. It lets you be a maniac, like you said, and there was something unique about that. And there's very few games out there that tried to do, I mean, there were imitations after this, but this was really oh, the first one. Yeah. I mean, Saints Row, you can name, I mean, it does another off the top of my head. That's the first one that came to my mind, but Grand Theft Auto was the first one to really let you be a maniac. Maybe it's the guy playing the game says, I live a squeaky clean life. I go to work nine to five. I pay my rent. I buy my dinner. I cook at home and I go to sleep. But in this video game, I can kill a hundred people. I can steal a boat steal a car, steal a plane, and you feel like God. And again, that goes down the moral conversation, are video games bad for you? 
No, as long as, as long as you realize that it's escapism, it's fun, it's fake, it's it's an adventure, it's a game. But GTA lets you do that. Yeah, and to to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, video games are the perfect scapegoat because so few people understand them. And especially in 2002, so few people understood them. I think as we get older and we have children, obviously you do, and our children's generation grows up, we're going to know that, yeah, listen, I've known plenty of people who've played the most horrific violent video games ever, and they are the nicest people, right? Has it, it, There's much less... I don't think video games corrupt people's minds. I think sometimes people corrupt people like video games. It's no different than watching a horror movie. Right. I love horror movies. You love horror. People love horror movies. People get stabbed. I saw a scream last weekend. A bunch of people got stabbed. It was great. I loved it. I cheered. doesn't mean I actually want to go see people get stabbed in real life. And nobody wants that. So a game like Vice City, it's a perfect scapegoat. It yeah. puts vice in the name of the game. Yeah. Right? No, it embraced yeah. violence and cursing and the sexy side of things. And boats and helicopters and planes and things that are larger than everyday life. Most people don't get to ride boats, helicopters, and planes, but this game lets you do it. You get to run up your meter, just like GTA 3, so you can have the police chasing you, which is a roller coaster ride for a lot of people out there to thrill. And Mike, this game was a massive success. I mean, it made like $300 million after its first like few years out, which you could talk about some of the biggest domestic releases in the United States. Like the, you could talk about ET. You could talk about avatar. You could talk about these movies that make half a million dollars. Here's a video game that did that in over a few years of sales. It sold something like 17 and a half million copies through 2008, through the first six years. And something important you said, Mike, is you have to link vice city to the PS2, the success of each yeah. other. PS2 owes so much to the Grand Theft Auto series. And looking at this, it's actually the fourth best-selling game on the PS2, Mike. And PS2 had some, we all know it's the best-selling console. Do you think, I mean, Mike? People were still buying them a few years ago. Like, that's, Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, I know it had a DVD player. Some people say that's the excuse, but it also had a great library. Incredible library. One of the most diverse and underappreciated libraries. We'll sit here and talk and people will say, yeah, the best console of all time is the PlayStation versus the Super Nintendo, probably. And then you look at the PS2's library and you're like, mm, yeah. wow. It was wow. some really cool stuff. It had everything. PlayStation 2, if I was to tell one person, if I was to tell someone to buy one retro console of all time, if they're like, hey, I really need one to get a retro console, what should I get? I'm like, you're going to buy a PS2 because you're going to get every, you're going to be able to play every PS1 game. Plus, the library of the PS2 is ridiculous it has everything it has every genre every style of game literally everything well i was surprised to see that this was the fourth best-selling game on the ps2 i knew it sold well as we said some crazy amount off the top of your head i'm gonna put you on the spot here do you think you can name some of the some of the other best-selling games on the ps2 yeah probably i know grand i know gran turismo 3 was a pack-in at some yeah, point so that's right. definitely up there that was number two grand that's turismo number two three. Yeah, let me think. What was big in that era? God of War? God of War. Yeah, we got God of War. The first one was number 14, and the second one, number 16. Okay, cool, cool. So not not super high on that list. I'm trying to think what else. Is there a Tekken, like Tekken Tag Tournament nice. or something? Yes, well, Tekken 5 was number Tekken eight. Tekken 5. Nice, and, okay. Yeah, Tekken, but that Tekken 5 is up there. 
Number eight. Tekken 5 is up there. What about Grand Theft Auto 3? Is that up there? No. Yeah, I'm saying sure you're San Andreas. San Andreas is number, number one. one. I mean, yeah. blow away everyone else. That just shows how each Grand Theft Auto just grew and grew. Grand Theft Auto 3 was number six. GTA Vice City, number four. Yeah. San Andreas, number one. So it was, ca- I mean, not carrying the PS2 on its shoulders, but you wonder if Grand Theft Auto didn't exist with the PS2 be as big a mega hit. I mean, you can make an argument, Mike. You could. You absolutely could, especially because Grand Theft Auto didn't get ported to the Xbox for a few years. So this was the only place you could play Grand Theft Auto was the PlayStation 2 at you the got, time. You got it on, on PC, uh, PC but, six mm-hmm. months a year later, but that's never still the same crowd, especially at that time. People no. did not have gaming PCs that much. And you're right. Xbox, it, it took a year or two later to get some of these games. So by then, some of the glitz and glimmer is gone. Yeah, no, it's no longer in the conversation at that point. So yeah, man, that's I San Andreas being the top seller on the PS2 is that's that's great. That's great. What else do we have on that list? What's three? What's uh, Final so Fantasy Ten on there? Kingdom some, Hearts. We had some Metal Gear Solid in there. We had some Kingdom oh, Hearts. Yeah, yeah. We had some really, I'd say, well rounded. Grand Turismo Four was in there as well. So they had two Grand Turismos. So Devil May Cry has got to be in there somewhere at some point. Final Fantasy Ten maybe really sold a lot. Not Final the top Fantasy ten. Final Fantasy Ten. You're right. That's yeah. on the, that is in the top ten. Wow. It's it's, it's an impressive list. No, Grand it's got everything. Final Fantasy 10 is number five. Wow. Uh, Final Fantasy 12 is number nine. Wow. Nice. See, yeah. nobody likes that game. And it's still sold well. I love Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy 12. Final was number 11. So, all right. No, that's okay. I was surprised Dragon <laughs> Quest 8 was number 12. Dragon think, Quest 8 is I so mean, good. I love it's that game. It's so good. It's so good. Also, Dragon Quest 8 makes sense because that was the first one to really get a marketing push in America. And it was the first time we called it Dragon Quest in the United States when Dragon Quest 8 came out. So that makes a lot of sense, especially because his Japan. hair went up at very Dragon Ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. We were at that point. We knew Toriyama. Also, Dragon Quest 8 did ship with a demo of Final Fantasy 12. So Toe Ball number one on the PlayStation sold incredibly well because it had a demo disc for Final Fantasy 7 in it. So those demo discs help, but uh, I love Final Fantasy 12. I'm really excited to see that it's in the top 10. I love that game. A lot of people don't. I think it's great. Yeah, I'm a hater when it comes to Final Fantasy 12, but I will have to revisit it one day. Because you're wrong. <laughs> it's we a all lot of, have. It was a lot of corridors when I was playing it. I was like, oh, I, these I, freaking I, corridors. I got you. It's a lot of grinding. It's a lot of <laughs> item grinding and crafting and all that stuff. Listen, we're all wrong sometimes, man. We're all wrong sometimes. Well, you know, you know what they say. Even a broken clock. I, I don't think it's, <laughs> that's that's not correct. Grand Theft Auto, Vice City, uh, a top number fourth selling game on the PS2, Mike. Beautiful. I mean, it, it really hit the nail as far as what they needed to do with this open world that they more or less, they didn't create it, but they perfected it. They yeah. really made it a genre in itself. And here we are talking about it 20 years later as yeah. this all-time classic that they can't make right because the supposedly the remake stinks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to play that one. Uh, I haven't touched those. I heard they're really bad, which is upsetting because I think having Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, and San Andreas in a package that running well on a PC now would be really cool. Listen, the open world format, it it really kind of comes from here. The way open world games work now, the way they've worked for 20 years, it it really kind of comes from Grand Theft Auto. It wasn't the first game to be open world, probably. It wasn't the first game to offer you a virtual sandbox, but... The way in which it works, the, the 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 quest structure, the mission structure is very. That's everywhere. We have these. You look at Assassin's Creed, Assassin Creed by Ubisoft. I don't think it exists 
without Grand Theft Auto, where you're running around these villages and towns and doing these mm-hmm. missions and these open, quote unquote, worlds. I think yeah. there's so many series just like it that that have just, yes, done things of their own and made it their their own to the license, the genre. But so much of it starts with this. These are yeah. ambitious games that shooting, flying, driving on foot, inside buildings, outside buildings, riding boats. I mean, the scope yeah. of this game, Mike, crazy unbelievable and even motorcycles right that was the first time we got those too so they added a whole bunch of new a bunch of new vehicles it wasn't just you fell in the water and died you had you had boats you had did were there jet skis did you say jet skis i'm not sure now they're not sure i know there were these the speed boats you had yeah they had the little speed boats you had helicopters i mean there was a tank as well that you have to steal on a mission there was a lot. There was a lot to do in this game. It was a lot of fun, and the games would only get more robust from here. I think Grand Theft Auto Vice City set the tone for how these games need to be produced and how they need to operate and what people like about them, and it only continued. So Vice City, while it was a building that was built on the foundation of Grand Theft Auto 3, I feel like the, the future of the Grand, Grand Theft Auto franchise is also built upon everything Vice City also did. So it's like a, a combination of Vice City and 3 kind of commingled to give us this massive structure that Grand Theft Auto is now built upon. And it's a special series. It's a special game. And so much dates itself back to Vice City. Yeah, we owe so much back to these games and especially Vice City. It's a game that should be played and experienced for people out there that are not just yeah. gaming historians, but... Yeah, you could try the remakes. I mean, it's the only way to get them now. Yeah, right? I mean, I think they delisted a lot of the older ones. So, yeah, it's hard to find them. So, it, I think it's still a game worth playing. I think there's so much here to experience. It's a game that I'll never forget. I mean, this game, like you said, the commercials, you remember them vividly, and it absolutely deserves a place in our Hall of Fame. Mike. Oh, for sure. I would say pretty much every Grand Theft Auto that aren't the first two really kind of deserve a spot in the Hall of Fame. You can make an argument that four is not that great, but I think four is still very good. It's just it's hard to make a game after Vice after Vice City and San Andreas back to back. But yeah, no, it definitely belongs in the Hall of Fame. It's an all time great. It's a massively influential game. And it was something that really started to show us that video games weren't just for children. And while a lot of the humor and a lot of the more quote unquote mature aspects of this game are incredibly sophomoric. At the time, it was that's it was the South Park era, right? So that's kind of how things were. That was how you showed a little bit more maturity. This game is the ultimate game for a teenager, I think. Yeah, it was at that time, like you said, the South Park whole thing. It was about pushing what was allowed to yeah. be done. Let's yeah. push it. Let's see what else we can do for that sure. won't get us in too much trouble. Yeah, and they still got in trouble anyway, but <laughs> whatever. The trouble when it comes to these properties, trouble is good. Oh, yeah, that's Trouble, media. That's media. Yeah, that's worldwide it's, attention. Yeah. I mean, people talking about Free advertising. If this if this game is on every news broadcast because of the terrible things it's doing to children's minds, every kid in the world's like, I want terrible things to happen in my mind. Get me the game. And they would find ways of getting it. Man, I worked at a GameStop when the Grand Theft Auto games were like at the height of their popularity. How many kids would walk in and try to fool their mom or fool their dad? Or come in with an older friend or an older sibling, or sometimes just go outside while someone older walked out and go, hey, hey, listen, I'll give you 60 bucks. Can you <laughs> get me the game? 
Um, oh, that stuff definitely happened. Oh, oh, it did. I, I, I saw it firsthand, but you know, it was still a time where, where video games are still kind of like, we still didn't know what they were going to become. And I think that Vice City in general kind of gave us uh, a pathway to the future. Yeah. Great stuff. So Mike, before we get to our corner of what have you been playing? I wanted to ask you, we had a Nintendo direct. Was there anything on there that uh, you're super psyched about? No, all bad. It was all, it was a waste of my time. I rushed to get home to watch it and it was terrible. I cried for 40 straight minutes. Uh, no, no, actually it was great. All joking aside, I think the Nintendo Direct from at this point a few weeks ago was great. I thought it was unbelievable. I thought they showed a lot of stuff if you're in your mid-30s that got you very excited. I know that there are a lot of younger people out there who are in their 20s who like grew up with the N64 and the GameCube and the Wii who looked at that Nintendo Direct and being like, what is this old people stuff? Listen, you runts. <laughs> Let me tell you something, all right? I've been waiting 25 years for Live Alive to get <laughs> for Live Alive to get uh, to get localized into English with a proper translation from Square. Uh, with the HD 2D stuff, it looks so good. That was really it, that that that. And all joking aside, um, there was a lot of great stuff that they showed, especially since I didn't think they were going to show much because I thought, like, all right, cool. We're, we know that they might show some Zelda. They didn't which is cool. That just means it's going to be the fall game. Well, that's fine. I'm um, like, oh, they're going to show some Kirby. They did. And now he's a car, which is great. Kirby looks great. They surprised us with the new Super Mario Strikers, which looks incredible. They hit us with a bunch of RPG announcements from Square. We got the we got a an HD 2D remake of Live Alive, which looks amazing. We got a Chrono Cross, a Chrono Cross HD remaster, remaster that yeah. remaster that comes with Radical Dreamers, which is the bridge game between Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross, a game that Americans have never played or have never played legally. Live Alive also, which is kind of like a prelude or a precursor to Octopath Traveler, is a game that American audiences were never able to buy because it was never localized. We are getting a remake of Front Mission 1 and Front Mission 2 games that Front Mission 2 has never been localized for the United States. And it solidifies <laughs> it solidifies the idea that I put out into the world and a lot of people have. It's not just my thought. It's mostly the gaming industry industry's thought right now. It's like 2022 is like the year of the strategy RPG. We've got Advance Wars coming, the reboot camp coming out, which looks great. We've got a Project Triangle Strategy that looks great. We've, or now it's just called Triangle Strategy. It looks great. We've got Mario Rabbids coming out. Another one. That looks great. We've got Metal Slug Tactics. That looks great. Now we're getting Front Mission and Front Mission 2. Two more tactical RPGs. Like the Final Fantasy Tactics fan in me, it's like my heart's five times the size right now because I'm so excited. But then they showed some other great stuff. Wii Sports is coming back as Nintendo Switch Sports. So great. Sell 50 million of those because that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a pack-in game most likely for the for the holidays. With and, the... We're, and we're getting DLC for a 10-year-old game from the Wii U, All right. Mike. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me tell you something here. That is genius because, one, the game has sold 50 million copies. If Mario Kart 8 did not sell 50 million copies, we would have heard about Mario Kart 9 by now. They know that they can get $25 out of like 50 million people. Even Probably not that million. many. Even, Even 10, 10 million. million do it. But the real driver there is, no puns intended, the real driver there is to get people to sign up for the internet service. Nintendo Switch Online, a lot of people hate it. They don't think it's a great deal to get the expansion pass because like, I don't play Animal Crossing and the, the N64 games, there's not a lot of them. They don't run very well. And the Genesis games is like, great, Genesis, cool. 
But if Nintendo was going to be delivering their DLC through the expansion pass, that's a genius idea. And that's going to get so many people to sign up. Yeah, it was a really so, good idea. I'm I, pumped. It doubles the size of the game. I know. It went from 48 to 96 courses, which surprisingly is not every course from Mario Kart's history, but we're getting close at this point. The three that, interesting enough, you say are for old people, and I guess you're right because I'm talking about three ports right now, and that is I'm excited for Force Unleashed. It's like yeah. it's from a time and place. I don't think it's aged well, but I'm excited to have that on the Switch. And it's the Wii version. Which, Which is, is weird, weird, very weird. weird, weird. But we'll take it. We'll take I'm it. Excited Matt. that we're getting Earthbound and oh yeah, beginnings. Yeah, yeah Switch like, legally. Not, now I, you don't have to break the law. I, I put that into the atmosphere. <laughs> I put this out there. And then last, you said Chrono Cross. I actually never got much hands-on time with this game back on the PS One. Chrono Trigger, I love, and my friend was like, I got like forty characters, and you changed them all out, and it's this crazy game, and he loved it. So I'm excited to play another game of my youth that I missed. Chrono Cross is a great time if you don't go in thinking it's the sequel to Chrono Trigger. Right. It's a completely different thing. It's a totally, it's technically the same world, but like. There's still time travel, but yeah, that's about it. Giant, giant time, time, time jumps and all that stuff. Chrono Cross, first of all, one of the best video game soundtracks ever. Chrono Tr- Cross's soundtrack is ridiculously good. Like I put that stuff on all the time while I'm working. Like Final, final Fantasy music is great, but Chrono Cross Oof! is that a great soundtrack and it's it's so unique it's got this great like island tropical feel because chrono cross kind of takes place across all these like tropical islands and stuff it's got 40 characters it's a lot of fun and it looks amazing i'm super psyched i'm super psyched but these these jerks over nintendo had to hit us with 17 rpgs during that announcement i have a life i have a job and a band and a wife I don't got time to like play a hundred million hours of RPGs this year, but now I have to between Live Alive, between Chrono Cross, Earthbound, Earthbound Beginnings. I was looking to play Earthbound Beginnings, Matt. I took my Wii U out of the closet and dusted it off because I was going to start it soon. And then they go and hit me with that. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm playing Earthbound Beginnings on the Nintendo Switch. Thanks, guys. <laughs> then at the end, and then at the end, out of nowhere, they're like, we have one more thing left. And everyone's like, it's Zelda time. It's not Zelda time. Zelda will probably get its own direct. But Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which, great. You know, the Xenoblade Chronicles, I'm happy they're still with us. I'm happy they're still doing well enough to merit this. Monolith Soft is Nintendo's in-house RPG developer, which is great that they have them. And they crank these games out every few years. They sell fairly well. People love them. It's got a good fan base for an RPG. But like knowing me, it's like I didn't finish the first or second one. So now I got to finish those and then I got to play the third one. So uh, time is a joke and means nothing. I also <laughs> think Kirby looks great. I'm impressed with Kirby. Is it going to be? It's not going to be an Odyssey. It's not going to be as good as Odyssey, but it'll be fun. Yeah, I think there's some good stuff there. So as much as Mike jokingly said that it was awful 40 minutes, I think there was something a little there for everyone. Everyone. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to the slate of, of what's coming. So uh, Mike, before we get to you, I don't have much to say because I'm still playing Paper Mario and I'm enjoying it. But people that joke that Paper Mario is either easy or these games are short, these are full-fledged RPGs. I mean, as far as exploration, battles, and the battles with the boss battles from these streamers are hard. These elemental battles, I just got the final one. I have to be close to 40 hours. I got to be getting close to the end. And I feel like I could have been playing Final Fantasy right now. Like this game is so long. So I'm still, that's it. I'm just keep playing that. 
Mike, what are you playing? Would you feel better if it had stats? I would feel so much better <laughs> if I could upgrade a, a, my punch, upgrade my gloves, or upgrade my gear. Instead, I just shovel things around a board. Listen, that that series needs need they need to sit down with intelligent systems and be and intelligent systems probably is the one who needs to go to Nintendo. Like guys, these this needs to be an RPG. I think I think Origami King is great. I think it's a great game, but like as it's, stats. there's no it's need that the, simple. If you give the, gear and weapons that are upgradable and level ups better. The game do it. 10 out of 10 the, that, the, the, the Mario and Luigi games do it beautifully. It's simple. Anyone can understand it. Kids play Pokemon for God's sakes. What the problem with the stats and not having that progression system in Paper Mario. And this is this is my biggest complaint about the series since Thousand Year Door. When you take those aspects out of it, battles, which are probably about a quarter of the game, don't mean anything. You try to avoid them at all costs. Yeah, because they're boring and they're a time sink. Because yeah. after the first two or three times that you you do the turn the turn the thing around, it's really fun. It's a really fun battle system. I love it. But like after a while, you're like, why am I doing this? I was playing I was playing Paper Mario like Sticker Star, and I kept getting into these battles, and you get these stickers to do combat, and I'm like, why am I fighting? Well, that's gonna is run to the, the end. worst Paper Mario Sticker Star. Oh yeah, it's it's not great. If you're um, ranking all six, that is the worst. I think Thousand Year Door is probably the best, still yeah. the best. The 64 one, not bad either. Paper Mario N64 is great. That one's not bad either. The that's Wii great. one I found to be like homework at times. I yeah. I played it in college and I was like, man, I'd rather be studying for a final right now. Wow. That's, that's, <laughs> that's almost pathetic. Um, not you for the game. Like if, if a kid, if, if a kid or an adult or a college kid plays, is playing a video game, they're like, I would rather study, but that's, you failed. Yeah. That's why we play this, video games. So we don't have is, to study. The series is just so close to being like Final Fantasy level because be, the charm and the exploration are so good, but pa- Paper Mario it. could be, it could be a top tier oh, RPG. It I am could. beating a dead horse that will never come back to life. Mike, tell us what you've been playing lately. Yeah. So uh, I finished Pokemon Legends, which was beautiful. What a game. Oh my gosh. Was I so impressed with it? And I understand the criticisms, but I, honestly, I'm so excited and happy that they tried something new and that there will be a series of games that operates like this. Uh, moving forward because it's selling like crazy so it's going to it's going to continue to be made these games are sold too well it's sold too well in a short period of time currently for it to just completely go away so it's 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 perfect and not not as a game but it's got a perfect spot in the pokemon kind of whatever you want to call it the pokemon stable and i'm i can't wait to go to like the kanto region when it's old or the johto region when it's old and and really experience like those legendaries pokemon in the in the kind of feudal era and it's really cool but i finished that and i have i've been playing mario and luigi again talk about an actual mario rpg uh, mario and luigi is great I'm playing it on the 3ds it's great but because of the Nintendo Direct, Nintendo does this lovely thing of when they beat you across the face with games that are going to be available immediately. And while I love it, it's also just a monkey wrench in any, anything I want to do. And my most anticipated game of the year right now, at this since I know it's coming out this year, is Triangle Strategy. Uh, for those of you out there who follow me on the internet, who follow me on social media... I am a gigantic Final Fantasy Tactics fan. I am a Tactics RPG junkie. I love Fire Emblem. I love Final Fantasy Tactics. I love Disgaea. I love Mario and Rabbids. I can go on and go on and go on. So 
during the during the direct they show a little bit more triangle strategy we've seen a lot i played the demo from like a year ago they fixed up a lot of stuff from the demo because they got really good input from the people who played it which square good for you for doing that a lot lately you did it with octopath you did it with bravely default 2 it's a really great business practice to really connect with your with your fans and your your consumers so that they can they can let you know hey this doesn't work well why don't you try that out so they drop on during the direct of course they're like available later today they hit you with a with a demo for Project Triangle. I'm sorry, I keep doing the project, but Triangle Strategy. They drop a demo on the eShop, and I'm like, "Are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? Are they going to do it?" I give it the side eye, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, and your progress will carry over to the main game." And I'm like, "Sold." Downloading the demo, so I downloaded the demo. I played like the first four or five hours of uh, Triangle Strategy, and it's exactly what I wanted it to be. Well, maybe not exactly what I wanted it to be. It's like 95% of what I wanted it to be because what I wanted was the, was the spiritual successor to Final Fantasy Tactics. It's not that. It's very similar to Final Fantasy Tactics, but it's much more the spiritual successor to Tactics Ogre, which Final Fantasy Tactics and Tactics Ogre are siblings. They're very similar. They're made by the same people, same team, same artists, same designers, all that stuff. They just function slightly differently and this game is a little bit more of tactics ogre which is great tactics ogre is great tactics ogre let us cling together on the playstation or on the psp is like that's like a hundred hour all-time great strategy rpg and i love triangle strategy so far i'm very excited to get it in march i I, i'm kind of getting itchy for it to come out so i gotta wait a little while but also at the same time and i haven't played this game yet but i will be playing it by the time we do our next episode because it, it came out of nowhere one of my favorite, like low-key under-the-radar games from last year was a game called Voice of Cards, The Island Dragon Roars. It's a game where the entire game world is made up of, of these cards. Now, you don't play cards, like it's not like a card RPG. It's just a standard RPG, turn-based RPG, but the aesthetic of the design of the game is all cards. And I thought it was so remarkable. I thought it was so novel, such a fun concept to make it like you're sitting down at a table in a tavern playing a game of cards or playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons, really. And now they're making a sequel, not a sequel. They're making another game in the series that takes place in like this kind of, it seems like it's more of a, more of an Island or more of a a coastal based area. And it came out of nowhere. They're like, and guess what guys, Square Enix, like not on the Nintendo direct on their own time was like, we're coming out with a new voice of card games drops on February 17th. And it was like a week ago. So I'll be playing that later this week when that hits my switch, because I've already pre-ordered it. It's already been downloaded. So that's what I'll be talking about over the next week. But no, a Triangle Strategy is great. Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, awesome game. If you can go back and play it. And Pokemon Legends Arce- Arceus, awesome time. Can't wait for more. Mike, what are your thoughts quickly on the art style for the Octopath Traveler as well as the Triangle Strategy games? I think the HD 2D thing is unbelievable. I think the I think that it's an amazing an amazing, amazing art style because it takes something old and elevates it to a point without losing its, it doesn't lose its integrity. We've seen so many of these old, now Final Fantasy VII's remake is a total outlier. No remake has ever been handled with that degree of love and care and appreciation. And just, that is the best remake ever made best remake ever made and i'm talking about not just from a gameplay standpoint i'm talking about it from a functional design and building standpoint that was like you knocked down the empire state building and rebuilt the empire state building to somehow look better right 
Final Fantasy VII Remake, you can't, you can't judge everything by the Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's too freaking good. These HD 2D remakes, they take the art style that we're, we're used to, uh, that we love from the Super Nintendo and the PlayStation, and they elevate it to a degree where it feels and looks modern. It looks like you're playing a storybook. Triangle Strategy has the same, same vibe. It's amazing. Live Alive, the remake looks so good. The Octopath Travelers guys, they stepped in it and they stepped in something. And man, was it good. And it was in a it was like it was like when they decided to make Okami a cell shaded wood wood block art style game. It was like that was a design choice that was like a home run of home runs. It was a grand slam. It was like unbelievable. And when you see it in Octopath Traveler, you're like, wow, this looks good. And I remember when Octopath Traveler came out, so many people were like, Oh, you can remake old games in this style. Oh, that would be cool. And then we saw the Dragon Quest three remake that's coming out with the HD 2D style. And all of us went, we we grabbed the couch and we're like, oh, wait a second. They can do this with a lot of games. And now they're going to do it with Live Alive, a game that never came here. So we're going to get to experience that game kind of as it looked originally, but how we imagined it would have looked in those days when we were playing it, not how it actually looked. So we're going to get that. We're going to get to live that moment. This is what we thought this looked like when it was out. That's what we thought these games looked like when they came out. Triangle Strategy, doing the same thing. A lot of people are calling for more of these remakes. I am with them. Remake every original Dragon Quest like this. I think people would love it. Remake every old Final Fantasy in this style. I think people will love it. But what I do think, and this is a prediction, on the... Hall of Fame podcast featuring video games. So if this happens in a year or two, you can say Mike had it right. This is how we see the Chrono Trigger remake. There's a reason why Chrono Cross, after all that hubbub and buzz and smoke about Chrono Cross is getting a remake. Oh my gosh, they're getting the singer back to sing songs. They're going to redo all the music. It's clearly a remake. And then we see it and it's this really nice remaster. It's because they're saving the remake bucks for Chrono Trigger. They're saving the remake bucks for Chrono Trigger. And if, if, if these two HD 2D games do well, Chrono Trigger should not have its art style changed. They shouldn't do the Final Fantasy VII remake with it. I don't think it would, will feel like the same game if they did that, and that would upset people. Also, PS1 graphics, Final Fantasy VII graphics, originally, they, they've aged poorly. 16-bit graphics look good. Yeah, I love that you said that it keeps the integrity because yeah. anytime I've seen a remake of a 2D game and they make 3D models it loses something. It loses the charm. It loses the character. It loses the feel. And I only played Octopath. I haven't played Project Triangle Strategy. I haven't played the demo. I haven't played. And I just think more games should be done this way. It is a really unique and fascinating art style. It's it's truly, it's beautiful. It really does feel like you're peering into while you're playing. And I do think this is how you do Chrono Trigger. Unless you're going to do final full Final Fantasy VII style remake, if you get Toriyama in to do the art, great. But that, that probably won't happen. Because yeah. here's the deal with like Earthbound and Chrono Trigger. They're amazing games. People talk about them all the time. Like They need to be remade. They need to be remade. They need to be remade. They probably will sell a million copies if they're remade. Let, let's, let's, let's call it what it is. They're, they're lucky if either of those games sell a million copies. And people will kill you over Chrono Trigger. Like they will murder you. And I love Chrono Trigger. And people will murder you on the message boards if you have if you say anything about it that's not like it's the best game ever made. And they're always pushing for a remake and they're always pushing for a remake. And I get it. Chrono Trigger is not accessible. It's not easy to get your hands on. Either was Earthbound until now. But now it's like it's gonna sell a million copies if it, if they if they remade Chrono Trigger. So why not remake it in a style that keeps the integrity of Chrono Trigger's unbelievably good 2D art? 
you have this style that works. So I could totally see them remaking Chrono Trigger and that up the music a little bit, update the music, give it a little bit more orchestral vibe to it. And it's a perfect compliment because then you could do Final Fantasy VI. Ooh, and that's the one we all want to get Ooh, to. Mike is getting me excited, guys. <laughs> I'm getting all jazzed up here on the Hall of Fame podcast, the video game podcast has predictions and we have a Chrono Trigger full-on remake coming. Mike Staub said it first. So <laughs> Mike, That's right. thank you very much as always for joining me. It is so much fun to talk video games and Thanks all for having classic me. games. People out there on the internet want to find you. How can they? Sure. Well, first and foremost, you can find me here on almost every episode of the Hall of Fame podcast featuring video games. Matt, you do an amazing job. So thank you so much for having me. You can find me at the underscore Mike underscore Staub on Twitter and Instagram. I really don't use Facebook much these days, only to pop in and check in for a minute and get upset and wish people a happy birthday. You can also find me with my band, Bad Mary. You can find us at Bad Mary Band or go to badmary.com. That's Bad Mary Band, all one word across all social media. You can find me on my other podcast, which actually just started its second season. How about this? You can find us on the internet at How About This Pod. And then you can find me with Long Island Retro Gaming. We're doing an expo. I believe it's the weekend of August 10th and 11th. I don't know if the dates are 100% correct, but that weekend, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, I think, a three-day event this time. So be sure to check that out. I'll be working that in the museum. And continue to listen. And I will say this one more thing. A game that should be also remade because Square, I think, owns the rights to it now. There is an amazing game on the Super Nintendo that only came to Europe. So you can get the ROM in English. That's an actual English ROM. It's called Terranigma. It's probably in the top five best Super Nintendo RPGs, hands down. It never came to the United States. That's another game that could really benefit from a 2D, HD 2D remake. Uh, and if Square wants to do that with their, as they bring these games that never were localized over, that's the way to do it. But find me at all those places and you'll see me next time or hear me next time when Matt and I talk about something else about something else that deserves its place in our hall of fame. So yeah, guys, right. thank you for listening. We appreciate the listens, the reviews, uh, yeah. tell your friends, tell your friends to listen to our pod and uh, spread the word because we're growing. We're going places guys. And we need That's you right. along with us. So thank you as always listeners, Mike, we'll see you guys next time, right? See you next time. Have a good one guys. Bye-bye. Enjoy. Bye. From Mike and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Game Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.